0: And away we go, Hour 3, Great Day for Talk Radio. It's that uh, Wednesday thing that we do at this time, and that's a roundtable with our friends Ernie Eaves, a former Premier and Finance Minister here in the province of Ontario.
1: How you doing, Ernie? I'm Johnny. I'm great. It's nice and sunny and a little cooler.
0: All right. Well, uh,
1: <laughs> that,
0: that tends to happen as we make our way into the fall. All right. Uh, and John turley were with us, risk management consultant, specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. How's John doing? Doing
2: very well, thank you.
0: All right. Well, you know, a lot of people clicking their heels. Uh, some are dismayed. This is the ruling that came down from the court. of appeal earlier today that granted a stay to the ford government so they don't have to invoke the notwithstanding clause it kind of reverts back to bill five where he passed this legislation and then it was contested uh and the naysayers uh who wanted to stall this because uh and they got the ruling from judge belababa that decided who decided that uh this was somehow unfair uh and so the appeals court slapped him down today saying, well, you know, uh, it may be unfair, but it was fully constitutional. Uh, John Tory called it uh, reckless, and uh, or Doug Ford really caused this chaos by his reckless invocation or threat to invoke the notwithstanding clause. But I'm asking you, John Turley, you heard, first of all, uh, because you had a judge whose ruling was deemed by the appeals court as dubious, it makes me believe that maybe it all dials into him. If uh, he had gotten it right to begin with, we wouldn't have had this commotion.
2: I, I think there's no doubt about it. Uh, the, the court today had a unanimous decision. Uh, terms like "dubious," I, I would say, are, are rarely used in these sorts of uh, decisions. Uh, I, you know, I, I think we have to ask ourselves again. Uh, you know, did they actually need the notwithstanding clause debate? Probably not. I think uh, Doug Ford still comes out of this a winner. Uh, I don't think John Tory looks very good, frankly, uh, through this entire process. And to suggest, um, as they have, that we were in the middle of an election, uh, I would think it sort of rings hollow, given that there's no election signs up throughout Toronto. And I think most people really hadn't even had the election uh, in mindset in, in, in their heads at all. Uh, certainly, there were some some candidates that were stepping forward. Uh, but that uh, that argument, I think, rings hollow. The, the, I think one of the parts that has to be thought about here, uh, you know, in putting it in context, context is, why was this decision from the judge um, so badly thought out? And I think last last week when I was on on your show, I, I mentioned if you looked at the reasoning on it, it seemed uh, very doubtful at that time. And I, I think it, it starts to raise doubts about the credibility of the court when you have those kind of decisions as well.
0: Well, all right. Or, uh, you know, to be charitable, maybe he's an activist judge and he saw things with a different perspective that uh, superseded the strict interpretation of the Constitution and rights. John Tory, you just uh, also indicted John Tory for maybe uh, looking bad on this. He says the city's lawyers have been given the order to continue fighting the case.
2: The appeal itself... Uh, was not argued yesterday. The appeal itself will be argued going forward. What was heard yesterday was a stay application, and while there might be some statements made by the judges in regard to the merits of the actual appeal, uh, it's not even the case that that would necessarily be the same panel of judges who would hear the appeal, and of course the judges yesterday didn't hear the full submissions of all the lawyers on all of the arguments to do with the uh, case itself.
0: All right, so Ernie, what do you make of it? Should he just, you know, Fold, the, fold his cards and leave the table? Or, you know, is there any point or purpose to still fighting
1: this? Well, I think granting the granting of the stay says quite a bit. It's a very unusual remedy to start with. And I don't think that you would have three very well-respected members of the Interior Court of Appeal all unanimously agreeing. And basically what they decided yesterday was they don't think the city's chance has a very good... Uh, the appeal has a very good chance in front of the Court of Appeal. Therefore, they granted the stay. If they thought that the city's case was strong enough, that it would be likely to be upheld, the original judge's decision was going to be upheld, I don't think they would have granted the stay. So I think that says a lot in terms of where this is going at the end of the day. Um, it is too bad. I guess we didn't even have to go into the notwithstanding clause issue because if we just relied upon... The judicial system to correct itself, which it did. Um, all this has sort of been for naught. It has sort of stirred up a bit of a hornet's nest. But at the end of the day, the municipalities are created by provinces in our country. They have no legal standing on their own other than the act that incorporates them. And uh, the province has the right to do what they did.
0: Well, yeah, and uh, so it gets back to the question I asked John Turley, you you know, if this, well, first of all, uh, the notwithstanding clause now seems like all sound and fury signifying nothing, because it doesn't have to be invoked, but what was the reason that Doug Ford was prompted to invoke it?
1: Well, I think because he was sort of in a political box. If, in fact, um, the appeal wasn't heard in time to give, uh, you know, legitimacy to Bill 5, or if the stay was not granted, uh, he was going to be in a box where he wouldn't be able to get this thing done for this particular municipal election coming up on October 22nd. So I think he sort of probably regarded this, I'm not in his mind, but this was sort of insurance uh, against uh, the judicial system not doing what he thought should be done.
0: Right. And, you know, there were a lot of other people that were naysayers in this regard, everybody from, uh, you know, Brian Mulroney. Actually, uh, Art eagleton former mayor, uh, David Crombie, and uh, the list goes on. At Bill Davis even suggesting that this
1: was... Uh, well, they may still be right in terms of when the notwithstanding clause is to be invoked or isn't to be invoked. It's all sort of a moot point now, quite frankly.
0: Or is it? Or was there a message that Doug Ford sent, even though he didn't have to pull the trigger this time? Well, see, maybe I'd-
1: there was a message, yes. that That's quite possible, but... I don't think you get very very far by threatening the, the judicial system.
2: <laughs> no, I, I so I I disagree with that thesis. I, I heard that earlier that uh, you know Doug Ford decided to uh, go forward with this notwithstanding clause to you know, to suggest that he's not going to take any obstructionist nonsense uh, through the courts. I don't think that's the case. I think that uh, his lawyers um, in the government read this and the Attorney General's lawyers read the judge's decision and read it for what it was. And that was one that, uh, as the the court said today, was dubious uh, and, and fought it on those grounds. I don't think any government really wants to be seen as one that is just going to willy-nilly use a notwithstanding clause to take away people's, uh, you know, rights for a fair hearing in front of a court. And I think that uh, this lack of discipline in, in suggesting he would use it again, uh, d- that doesn't serve him uh, well politically. Well,
0: and it may be a case that he doesn't have to because some of these obstructionist policies or court cases would be uh, dismissed right out outright for being vexatious and frivolous.
2: It's quite possible. And I, I, I recall that there was um, an issue the other week around uh, the cap and trade. I think it was uh, there was an activist or environmental group that wanted to take him to court because he hadn't had hearings. So he called hearings. Uh, and took care of it that way. So, I mean, I think that uh, this has been a learning experience for the government. Uh, I hope that uh, it's one that serves them as they move forward, and I hope they show a little bit more discipline and a bit more faith in the courts actually resolving uh, their their own problems.
0: All right, well, uh, there was a notification that came out Earlier today, that says uh, people can, if they want to, uh, enter their names, you know, into the election October 22nd. They've got the two-day period of grace extended tomorrow and Friday from 8:30 in the morning to 4:30. Somebody brought it up on our panel, too, and uh, I'll ask you, Ernie, because while we know that there's been much bleating and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth from counselors who may have to contest against their friends, their colleagues, and so, but, you know, somebody uh, said it's at the trustee level as well because uh, school trustees have been reduced to 25, and for many, uh, it's an entry-level position into a life of politics, or at least, you know, a, a foray into politics, and now with 25, it may deter people from running, do you think, just in general, whether it's at the councillor level or in a trustee situation, uh, this will act as a great deterrent to fresh blood in the system?
1: No, I do not at all. Um, you know, the the boundaries are the same as the provincial and federal members have. I mean, I've always found it quite difficult to believe that a, a city councillor, municipal councillor, can't handle the same number of constituents as a provincial or or a federal member. I think they're just not used to the incumbent city councillors, not speaking for all of them, but my observation is they're just so used to playing the game the way they've always played it that it seems it's totally shocking to them that somebody would actually want to change the system and make it more efficient and leaner. And I think, as I said before last week, I mean, this is something, quite frankly, we should have done, the Harris government should have done in 1996.
0: You know, it's interesting because... uh, I was saying earlier in response to folks who were saying, well, this is the wrong move to pull. It's unfair. I think it's Mike Schreiner with the Green Party saying, well, it may be a legal ruling, but it's still unfair. It's like, man, you guys maybe don't appreciate that Doug Ford is drinking through a fire hose right now. And there are some numbers coming out Friday. Vic Fideli is going to be on the program, the finance minister. And uh, apparently Doug intimated the other day at the international plowing match that uh, those numbers are really, really scary. I'm wondering if that's going to get people's attention here and they might understand in the context of needing to make certain cuts, even though he said he wouldn't cut the public service uh, during the election. He's got to find efficiencies and perhaps the situation's more dire than even we anticipated, John.
2: I don't think the city of Toronto is going to play into uh, into that particular issue, frankly. I think this was a different thing. This is about getting decisions made. If you, I don't think there's not a lot of financial def- efficiency here. What there is is decision-making efficiency. So rather than having 47 people debating an issue, you're going to have 25. But speaking to the point you just raised about the, the true deficit uh, that the government is dealing with in its debt, You know, this was something that while the liberals were in power, there was always real concern. That they, frankly, were hiding uh, the real state of affairs in this province. And whenever the budget officer would raise issues, they, uh, you know, they would slap that person down. When the auditor general raised issues, they would slap that person down. And quite frankly, I think all of us really need to open the books and see what's, uh, you know, the real state of affairs is. And this is when we're going to have to have questions about how much money do we spend on healthcare, how much money do we spend on education. And frankly, I think the sector that's probably going to be uh, most in in the in the targets of the of the conservative government is probably going to be universities and colleges, uh, who have been given huge amounts of money under the liberal uh, previous liberal governments. And quite frankly, when you when you compete against healthcare and high school and, and elementary funding, it's hard to, to to justify all the money. Politically speaking, going to universities when you're having these debates about shutting down free speech and it seems so distant from distant from the reality of of the economy and people's everyday lives
0: interesting uh so that's an insight ernie maybe you can give us another insight into what do you hear what do you know about the numbers coming out
1: well i haven't heard anything about what the numbers are but it would not surprise me in the slightest having lived this experience in 1995 that the numbers are a heck of a lot worse than than we had anticipated i mean you really had to fasten your seat belts when i got in there as minister of finance it was quite shocking and uh but then you just roll up your sleeves and you get into the job of uh, trying to make efficiencies and trying to make it work. And it's not going to be done overnight. Anybody's suggesting that, you know, Doug Ford should be able to balance the books in a year, I think, is, is probably dreaming in Technicolor. Uh, we set a goal of five years for us to do it, and we were fortunate enough to be able to do it in two and a half years. And I think... That would be, I'd be ecstatic if the Ford government's able to do that.
0: But by the same token, when McKinney took the reins, their claim was that you guys had hit a deficit.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we had a few little minor hiccups like two bouts of SARS, the North American power blackout, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It went on and on and on. The reality was, and I stated during the campaign, I still believe to this day that the true deficit was $1.2 billion. And we addressed as to how we were going to resolve that issue. McGinty's government then came in halfway through the fiscal year, spent money like drunken sailors, and then said, "Oh, the deficit is $6 billion." Well, yeah, it's six billion because you just spent five. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it was it was a little disingenuous, in my opinion. Mind you, I'm not an objective observer to that whole exercise, but I mean, this is what happens: new governments come in, whatever the previous government did wasn't good. And you can whine about it all you want, but at the end of the day, you're now the government. And you have to do something about
0: it. By the way, the other question is, uh, what is it with the international plowing match? Everybody, you know, goes there, and because uh, I was curious. Doug Ford was there, and uh, he had made these ominous sounds about uh, the numbers are going to be uh, rather spooky come Friday. But I wanted to know more about the international plow. Did you attend when you
1: were? Oh back? absolutely. So what, what?
0: Tell them, fill us in. Is this a big well, deal? Well, it's,
1: it's like a big country fair. Is really what it is. There are booths, tents, all kinds of <laughs> things set up, and
0: oh, well, that explains everybody they, they going. They have
1: quote a plowing match, and there's traditionally <laughs> the leaders of the three traditional parties here see who can plow the straightest fur, you know, furrow. Uh, needless to say, I won when I was there. Oh, oh did you? <laughs> and I think Doug won yesterday too. Oh, seriously? There might be maybe uh, I. Uh, he says, tongue in cheek, maybe Andrea Horvath veered a little too far to the left. I don't
0: know. <laughs> she was on a John Deere. He was on a Ford.
1: As far as <laughs> somebody Ford, was, not a Lincoln. No, that's <laughs> it. All
0: right, we'll come back. Uh, there are a lot of other things I wanted to address, including you know where the liberal member crossed the floor and what that tells us, uh, as well some interesting things for investors when you've got mutual funds and uh, the regulator wants to impose certain restrictions on the kinds of mutual fund fees, uh, and the government is against it. I'm kind of curious about that, and uh, that's in your wheelhouse, gentlemen. Ernie Eves, the former Premier and Finance Minister, as well as John Turley-Ewart, who's a risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience, experience on Bay and Wall Streets. All that and more in moments on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.